Power Zone Sports Podcast is brought to you by Titan Home Lending, Print and Marketing Solutions, and Star Alvarado, our Bay Area Realtor. Enjoy the podcast. Larry Bird's not walking through that door. We're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. It's my team. It's my quarterback. Okay. It is... To be the man, you gotta beat the man. The two one. Swan Lane drive left field. One run is in. Here comes Green. Here's the run of the play. He is going to win. This is the Powers on Sports Podcast. All right, welcome in Powers on Sports Podcast. Your pre-income tax, tax day edition, your post-Easter edition. Hope everybody had a great Easter weekend. Uh, obviously, remember your taxes are due middle of next week. So if you haven't filed your taxes yet, either file that extension or get those taxes in the mail by, I think it's the 18th of next week, which I think it's Tuesday. I'm your host, Jason, down in Tampa. The city of Tampa has been invaded by the Swifties. The Taylor Swift World Concert Tour is in town for the next couple of days. Three nights of shows for Taylor Swift. Thursday, Friday, and Saturday night here at Raymond James Stadium. I live about five minutes down the road from Raymond James Stadium, and the Swifties are out and about. I was out at lunch today over by the stadium and lots of, of people looked like that were school-age kids not in school today, getting ready, adults, men, women, a lot of teenage young ladies out and about getting ready for the Taylor Swift three-night extravaganza here in Tampa at one of Raymond James Stadium. So I know tickets are... Very, very, very expensive for this show. Uh, interesting, uh, the spring concert tour season this year. We have Bruce Springsteen going on a big war- tour of the United States. Uh, he he started his tour in Tampa back in February. And now on the opposite end of the spectrum, you got Taylor Swift in town with the, all the Swifties for three nights here in Tampa. From all indications, it's the only three shows in the state of Florida. So uh, interesting that Tampa got three shows in a row. So that's that'll be interesting. Uh, that'll be a huge, huge boost to the economy for the Tampa Bay area here these next three nights. From all indications, Taylor does a really good job at, at her performances as far as lots of uh, songs, a quality uh, concert she put on. I know this, last Sunday, where I'm recording this uh, portion of the podcast Thursday after Thursday night, uh, last Sunday, there were already about 20 or 25 semi-trucks lined up at Raymond James Stadium to help with the setup for this, probably for, I'm sure, for the stage and all that stuff. So this has been a week-long uh, prep prep event uh, for Taylor in these three nights here at Raymond James Stadium. So for all of our Swifties out there, for all of our parents that are probably having to buy Taylor Swift tickets, God bless you. You are just... Uh, you're a better person than me to be able to spend that kind of money on a concert. Who God knows what these concert tickets are going for. But she does put on a good show from all indications. So uh, newly single Taylor Swift as well. So i uh, got a good show for you this week. We're going to talk to, uh, we've got two guests for you. We're going to talk to Steve Carney. Uh, he's a Rays insider here in the Tampa Bay, a former a media member here, long longtime media member, excuse me, here in the Tampa Bay area. He's the host, also the host of the uh, Under the Orange Roof podcast, talks about all things Rays, covers uh, the minor league baseball scene for MLB here in the Tampa Bay area. He's also one of the clock operators, the new clock operators for the Rays, too. So we're going to get into all that, all the new rules, the Rays record start, and all that good stuff with Steve Carney. If you haven't seen, the Rays are off to a 13-0 start. They have tied the 87 Brewers and Braves. For record starts, they beat the Boston, they swept the Boston Red Sox Thursday afternoon uh, to go to 13. They now go on the road on Friday to Toronto. 
See if they can extend the streak. But what a start by the Tampa Bay Rays, 13-0. and um, You know, they've only had one one run game in the entire run. Virtually every game they've played has been uh, mo- I think at least 10, if not 11 of the games have been four-plus run differentials, which is just insane to think about, to win that many games by that many runs. I think they won one game one to nothing, and then they won the other night nine to seven. But I think almost every other game has been four plus runs, which which was a uh, major league record uh, that hadn't happened in forever up to last couple of days. So again, tremendous start by the Rays. So you hear Steve talk about the Rays. What's kind of are there any signs of that led to this that we thought coming in? Some of the new rule changes and such. So you'll enjoy our chat with Steve Carney. Uh, talking all things record-setting Rays. We're also going to talk to Matt Merchel from the Orlando Sentinel. Matt covers Florida State football. We're going to talk a little spring football. We're going to talk a little live golf. Remember, they had the live golf event in Orlando a couple of weeks ago, before the week before the Masters. Talk a little bit of the, about live golf. And we'll also hit on the Orlando Magic a little bit. Matt covers the Magic a little bit in Orlando, kind of what is the state of the Magic franchise and such. So as the NBA season wraps up. So two good guests for you. You'll enjoy our chats there. Before we get to those, Steve and Matt, I'll just give you a couple of notes and nuggets from the last several days. Obviously, we had the Masters wrap up on, on Easter Sunday. John Robb comes from behind. Remember, they played about 28, 29 holes on Sunday. Uh, Rom overtook Kepka to win the Masters fairly comfortably um, to win his second major, first Masters. Obviously, Spanish uh, golfer in the history, in the in the legacy of Seve and Olathebel and Sergio Garcia is the fourth Spaniard to win the Masters. Um, so again, not a lot of drama Sunday afternoon. A uh, little bit, a little bit of stuff on the front nine, but nothing, nothing dramatic on the back nine. Other than you saw the big run Phil Mickelson had, the 65 he shot on Sunday. Three live guys finishing the top six. You had Mickelson, you had Kepka, and then you had Patrick Reed uh, was also a live player. Uh, so the live golf tour, you know, held their own very well in this in this first major. Kind of after all this, after all the controversy and all the the the, the splitting of the tours. So it'll be interesting to see how, as we progress through the major season, how the live guys do. Next up is the PGA Championship in about a month uh, up in New York. And then you got the the U.S. Open in Los Angeles. And then you got the British Open uh, over in Liverpool. So it'll be interesting to see how the, the live guys do. I did check out a couple of episodes of the of the Netflix uh, series Full Swing. That was pretty good. I, I saw the episode about, about Kepka, and I also watched the episode about Poulter and kind of the decision to join the Live Tour and the, the decisions those guys made. So I've watched those two episodes. Pretty good. Those are good episodes. That Netflix has done a good job with that. I'll get to the other episodes here in the in the near future. But again, if you if you got if, you, if you're interested to get some intel about some of these guys in the Live Tour and just life on the PGA Tour golf world. That's a good series. Check it out on Netflix, Full Swing. So, um, And again, what a job by Phil Mickelson to shoot 65 on Sunday. I got to tell you, I had I had Kepka at 32-1 to 1 to win the tournament before the tournament started. So I was mightily rooting in Kepka on Sunday to no avail. But I did make a couple of dollars on Phil Mickelson. I had him to make the top 10 as well as finishing the top 5. And that was a nice couple of nice payers there. So uh, not all is lost uh, in the world of uh, of the of the Masters. But uh, John Rahm's your champion, and we'll uh, obviously lead up next up is the uh, PGA Championship. So all right, NBA play in. We got the play in going on this week as well. We're down to four. Miami and Chicago play on Friday night. And then Minnesota hosts Oak OKC. And the other two, the winners of those two will be the eight seed in the in the in the East and West. And the playoff picture will be finalized. Playoffs start on Saturday. The uh play-in winners will play on Sunday. But but again, favorites in the East are gonna be Milwaukee, Boston, Philly. Um, and in the West, it's wide, super wide open. You got the Lakers are the seventh seed. They're going to take on the Memphis Grizzlies. You got uh, the Nuggets are the one seed. They'll play the winner of either OKC or Minnesota. And then you have, uh, you know, you got a ton of teams. Golden State, you got the Clippers, you got the Suns with Durant and company. The West is going to be ultra, ultra competitive and wide open. You could make an argument for six or seven teams to get out of the West. 
uh, as the playoffs get going. Just hope it's hope it's exciting. Uh, hopefully they don't string out these games too long in between games. Hopefully it's one game, one day in between games. Keep it moving because when these playoff series just take forever, just you lose some interest when these games are just when these series take forever. So, but NBA playoffs start this weekend. NHL playoffs start on Monday, and they will play every other night. You'll see those games on TNT, ESPN. Uh, again, very excited about the playoffs, hockey playoffs every other night they play. I love it. Uh, the overtime games, the drama. Again, a lot of lower seeded teams tend to do well in these in the hockey playoffs as well. Boston is the overwhelming favorite uh, to to get to the Stanley Cup final and win it. They set the record most wins, most points in a season. So good for them. Uh, but I think it's only happened one time in the last twenty years where the team with the most points, the President's Trophy, has won the Stanley Cup. So it's been a long most of the, most years that the. the the team with the most points doesn't win. So we'll be interesting to see how the Bruins handle that as we progress through. My Tampa Bay Lightning will be playing the Toronto Maple Leafs in a massive series for the Maple Leafs. Again, an Armageddon series. The Maple Leafs haven't won a playoff series in, I think, since 2004 something like that. Just a dramatic uh, drought for the Maple Leafs, kind of an Arm- Armageddon situation for them. If they don't win this series, they're going to clean house. Both coach, I would think coach, GM, massive player changes potentially on that roster. They're catching the Lightning a little bit wounded right now, who have not played well the last six weeks or so of this of, of the regular season. The, the 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 defense has not been great. Goaltending's been so-so with Vasilevsky, but they do have championship pedigree. So it'll be interesting to see how the Lightning respond come playoff time against the Toronto Maple Leafs. But again, you'll see some wild playoff games, overtimes, all that kind of good stuff. And such, so all that starts on Monday as well. So, um, last thing I want to talk about is I want to kill. I, I got I got to lay it. I got to lay into Zion Williams Williamson. If you didn't see Zion Williamson, New, or- uh, New Orleans Pelicans didn't does not play in the play-in game that Minnesota or New Orleans lost at home to Minnesota on Wednesday night. He goes out into warmups. He puts on a dunk show, all these windmill dunks and all these things. He comes out and said he's fully healthy, ready to play, but. He's not quite feeling like Zion yet, so he doesn't play. What a disaster and what a disgrace Zion is turning into. Uh, his weight is still an issue. He's still, uh, I don't know what this guy's doing. He, the Pelicans paid this guy, paid him last year, huge extension, $190 million plus extension, when the guy's only played 114 games in four years. 114 games the guy's played in four years. That's basically a, that's basically a season and a half out of four years. The guy never plays, but yet the Pelicans give him the money, which you had to do. I don't have a problem giving him the money, but what a what a poor what what a poor um you know it's just a disgrace what he's doing to that team. You have to get out on the court there. Nobody says you have to play 40 minutes. Nobody said you had to be, is expecting you to be in prime form. If you get out and play 15, 18 minutes in the game, you score 10 or 12 points, you get, you know, you work off some of the rust that first appearance. New Orleans would have beaten, would have beaten the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder. Just a very poor, the guy doesn't seem like he has any motivation to be great. Great players get out there and play when they don't feel great. Good players get out there and play when they don't feel great. You have to play, bro. Get on the court, Zion. I just don't know if this guy has it has it in him to be great. This, this guy kind of reminds me a little bit of Jamarcus Russell. Got a huge payday. Is continuously overweight. Can never stay in shape. Anytime he gets nicked up, it's it's weeks longer than it should be to recover. I just don't understand what's going on. Uh, you know. It's a sad story for the guy with so much talent, so much ability. The guy should be a sure surefire Hall of Famer with the ability he has, but the guy can't get in shape, can't stay in shape. You know, everybody, everybody kind of compares him to Charles Barkley. One thing I know with Barkley was he played all the time, even when he was heavy. And number two, when he three, four years into his career, when he did end up going to Phoenix, you saw what kind of shape Charles was in, elevated his game, MVP. Took his, the Phoenix Suns to the finals against Jordan and the Bulls. If Zion Williamson does, is not in pinnacle, peak, tip-top shape at the start of next year, I'm done with him. I have zero interest in, in, in rooting for a guy like Zion Williamson if the guy is not just fully blown up, ready to go next year. 
Um, you know, he he's not getting good advice. It sounds like his, his people in his family and his inner circle are involved in some of this stuff. He is getting terrible advice. He needs to take a major look in the mirror, and his teammates are starting to question him. You're hearing comments coming out of the, the, the locker room, C.J. McCollum and others, the head coach. This is a make-or-break offseason for Zion Williamson. The days of, of the babysitting are over. The Pelicans have given him everything he's wanted to do, have acquiesced to all of his, all of his needs. It's time for Zion Williamson to take a hard look in the mirror, figure out if he wants to be a professional athlete or not, because – he is doing everything but being a professional athlete as far as the commitment needed, whether it's taking care of his body, eating better, getting in shape, all the things that it requires to be great. I just don't know if this guy has any greatness in him. Uh, it doesn't seem like his motor is very uh, revved up as well. So very down on Zion Williamson uh, as he lets, lets down the Pelicans and they get knocked out in the, in the, in the play-in game to the OKC Thunder as OKC heads to Minnesota. So there's my uh, thoughts for the week. Again, uh, Steve Carney coming up along with Matt Merchel of the Orlando Sentinel. We'll be back in just a minute on the Powers on Sports podcast. Now a word from our partners at Print and Marketing Solutions, as well as Star Alvarado, our realtor here on the podcast. If you have any buying and selling needs anywhere in the Bay Area, reach out to Star Alvarado, 813-538-9572. She can help you on the selling side or the buying side of any real estate transaction here in the Tampa Bay area. From St. Pete to Tampa to Wesley Chapel and anywhere in between, reach out to Star Alvarado, 813-538-9572. And Print and Marketing Solutions, my guy Todd Tedesco, 813-498-2887. Todd's located on the corner of Lineball and Gun Highway over in Carrollwood. Todd can help you with all of your print and supply needs, corporate events, golf tournaments, signs and banners, marketing pieces, color copies, anything in between. Todd is your print and marketing specialist. Again, print and marketing specialist, Todd Tedesco, 813-498-2887. All right, welcome back. Powers on Sports Podcast. We are about two weeks into the Major League Baseball season, and there is still only one standing undefeated as of the time of this recording. We are chatting uh, on Tuesday morning for this interview, and no better person to talk to all things Tampa Bay Rays and the host of the UTOR podcast, the creator of the stpete9.com website, Rays Insider, Minor league man of, of Major League Baseball, one Steve Carney. How are you doing, sir? Hey, what's up, Jason? Yeah, it's it's a busy time, and it's certainly a fun one if you're a Tampa Bay Rays fan, that's for sure. And I just found out Mr. Mr. Carney is the new one of the new clock operators for the Rays, does a little bit of some clock work for the Rays now that there's a pitch clock and such at all these at all every game. So another new uh Nugget on the resume. It's another wrink- another wrinkle that that, <laughs> that that gets on the forehead. That's for sure. So so talk to me about running the clock. Just in all seriousness, how you know? Obviously, there's these new the new rules. Give give the audience a little perspective of when does the clock start on a new batter after a play ends and all that good stuff. Yeah, uh, normally, and uh, I I'm, I have to be very limited as to what I say. Okay, uh, Major League Baseball really doesn't want clock operators talking. <laughs> um but the the rules the rules are certainly out there i mean you've got 15 seconds uh when there's nobody on base before a pitch has to be thrown it's 20 seconds with runners on uh and that starts when the pitcher has the ball okay. um so it and there are there are certain things that that can uh that can change uh like if, if there might be a, a delay but um you know, but it, it it really is about you know with the pitcher having the ball and the and the batter being ready, and uh, it, it certainly has helped uh, game times here For so sure. far this season. I mean, uh, the Rays have not had a game go longer than two hours and thirty nine minutes, I think. Wow! So, and, and Monday night's game uh, between the Rays and the Red Sox was two hours and six minutes. Now, granted, it was a one nothing game, 
but still two hours and six minutes is uh, tremendous. Uh, hell of a, it's a hell of a lot better. I can't remember the last Rays Red Sox game that went two Oh six. Most right. of them, uh, you know, in years past, even a one, nothing game, three Oh six, three Oh six. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I, I do remember one, one, nothing game between the two teams that went six hours. Uh, now, granted, that was a 16 inning game uh, <laughs> on Sunday night baseball when the uh, when the commercial uh, breaks are longer. But still, that was a six hour one nothing game. And uh, we do not have that two hours and six minutes. I will take at, at the trop where for uh, for the fans that haven't been to the been to the ballpark yet this year. Where is the clock re- related to home plate? Can both the pitcher and the catcher see the clock? Are there, there clocks? And we talk about are- that. There are five clocks at Tropicana Field. So if you look, um, uh, in years past, we've had one clock out in center field out by the batter's eye. That was the only clock. There are now five clocks. They've got two now in center field. The one that was there uh, in years past is there on the batter's eye on the to the left side uh, of center of the center field batter's eye. There is now a second clock on the right side of the batter's eye as well. And then there are three clocks behind the catcher. Uh, There's two on the backstop down uh, ground level. Uh, They're out of view from the center field camera. Right. Don't see them on television, but they're there. And then there is one clock up above uh, everybody on uh, the, on the press box as well. It's a much smaller clock uh, compared to the clocks that are down field level, but there are five clocks now. Uh, at Tropicana Field. Cool. Good, 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 good description there for all of our fans that'll be in the ballpark at some point here in the very near future. All right, talk about some of the other couple rule changes, and then we'll get to the race specifically. What have what have you, what have you liked? What have you not liked? What do you think might get tweaked at some point uh, with all the rule changes and all that good stuff? I, I don't know how much tweaking is going to be done with the rules. Uh, I think they've they've really uh, they took a serious amount of time and. You know, I was listening to um, another podcast uh, at the beginning of the regular season uh, with Jeff Passan of ESPN and Pablo Torre, and they were talking about how, you know, they spent a long time, Major League Baseball did, researching this, you know, trying to, to brainstorm ways of making this right at the big league level and then implementing these changes at the minor leagues and doing the experiments in, in real time and, you know, being able to see for themselves, okay, this worked, this didn't. I mean, last year in the minor leagues, you had uh, a pitch clock. It was 14 seconds with nobody on base and 18 seconds with runners on. So they are trying to get guys, uh, you know, going and used to having the pitch clock. You know, I know that there are a lot of veteran guys that, started to, you know, hem and haw when they heard that a pitch clock was coming. But most of the young guys have dealt with it at least one season, if not more, because they also had the pitch clock in 2019. Right. Uh in the minor leagues. So they and and there are and there are other uh leagues that have had it earlier than that. And that's where they they figured this out. This is not this is not a willy-nilly idea put forth by major league baseball on a whim. This is something that they have been brainstorming and experimenting with for a number of seasons uh, at the minor league level and before now just bringing it to the big leagues here this year. So the, the pitch clock, I don't think is going to get tweaked a lot. I don't think that the uh, shift rule is going to get tweaked a lot because it's done its job. Singles are up. Uh, you know, there, there are uh, incredible defensive plays being made because you don't have three guys on one side of a bat. We saw Yandy Diaz Monday night uh, make a diving play on a ground ball that if there were three batters to the to the right side of uh, second base, probably just rolls right to the second baseman, picks it up, and it's an easy ground up. And they, it was a uh, pretty spectacular defensive play with the pitcher going full bore to cover first. Right. So I I, I really thought I really think that the shift rule has worked, and of course the bigger bags. Uh, you know, now being three inches uh, closer to stealing, you know, it makes for more teams to want to steal because most caught stealings are very, very close anyway. And now with the bags being closer, 
you're going to have more of an incentive to run. So, and you look at it, number of steals are up. The percentage of successful steals are up. Yep. This is, and when you, when major league baseball asked players or asked fans what they wanted in their sport, they wanted more action plays. They wanted more stolen bases. They hit and runs, things like triples. that. Yeah. Yeah. And not, and hit and run is is one thing, but they wanted they wanted more plays where there where there was you know excitement and action triples. You know there are more trip. There's going to be more triples probably hit this year. There's certainly more stolen bases. Uh, you know more players running. That's that's what that's what fans want because it brings more action and more excitement to the game. So let's talk about the offensive approach for for especially the Rays. Obviously, with no shift, the Rays are a big analytics team in history, both offensively and defensively. How do you think uh, has that been a point of emphasis for Kevin Cash in spring training as we have led into the start of the regular season about a different approach to hitting and th- being a little more aggressive at hitting or just in, in general, the approach to hitting the ball and you're seeing some great results on the field so far? Yeah, the approach really hasn't changed much. What it has done is it's provided guys that, would normally have been victims of the shift. And really there's three that are significant uh, victims of the shift. Brandon Lau, Josh Lowe, and Luke Rayleigh. Uh, and all of those guys now have, are going to get, uh, have seen so far and are going to continue to get more success because the way that their swing goes, their natural pull hitters to the right side and so instead of having three guys over there, they've got two guys over there, and it's going to be much easier for them to find holes. So I think all three of them are going to see their batting averages rise significantly. They're going to see their on-base percentages rise significantly. Uh, and, and they don't have to worry about having to hit over a shift. They can hit through a, a normal infield and, and find themselves on base uh, much more often. I think they're going to, it's going to lead to tougher uh, at bats for pitchers. And I think it's going to lead to less uh, balls that, that are going to be in the hitting zone for them. So I think they're, I think their walk rates are going to go up, which means of course their on-base percentage goes up as well. Um, so I think it really is going to help, especially those three left-handed bats that all have uh, a lot of power and have been victims of the shift. So the Rays start out 10 and 0, the first team since 87, the Milwaukee Brewers to start out 10 and 0. You know, they set a record. I saw the the stat the other day. They were the first team, the first team to win their first 9 games by 4 plus runs since 1884, not 191884, the St. Louis Pat Maroons and all that good <laughs> stuff. <laughs> yeah, the St. Louis Maroons, we, you know, there's been a lot of research done on the St. Yes. Louis Maroons here uh over the last week and a half or, or so of course 1884 there's there are two major leagues at the time but one of them is not the american league the american league does not come into existence until 1901 so at this point the uh the the two major leagues in baseball are the national league which formed in 1876 and the union association and really the american association is also considered basically a third uh, major league at that point, but the union association, it was only in existence in 1884 and basically was created to stock this St. Louis team. They, the, they all basically took all the players that jumped to the union association from the national league. <laughs> they put them on the St. Louis team. That's why the St. Louis team was so good. And it, it turned out to be the death knell for the league because they came to uh, uh, the hotel in Chicago where they set the schedule the next year and only two teams showed up uh, St. Louis and one other team. And they went, I guess this ain't going to work. And they disbanded the league because of it. So, you know, that, that St. Louis Maroons team turned out to be the demise of major league. I don't think that's going to happen with the race. And Steve Carney, our historian as well from the 1800s. <laughs> Back in the day. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the Rays. Just a couple more things on the Rays, and I'll get a couple narratives about major league baseball. Um, to me, you know, the, the the argument on the other side of the race, 10-0 starts going to be, well, they played Oakland, Washington, you know, Detroit. 
And my argument would be is great teams beat the bad teams to death. That's what makes great teams great is you beat the teams you're supposed to beat um, and all that stuff. And you're also, to me, you're creating the cushion. You're creating a cushion. There's going to be a streak or two during the year where they lose seven out of 10 or, you know, six out of, you know, six out of 11 or whatever it is. The, the game counts the same in April as it does in September as far as the standings go. So you might as well build up as much cushion as you can. And, you know, with a balanced schedule, every team's going to have an opportunity to play these weaker teams. How well you do against these weaker teams is going to be a differ, differential. Yeah, it's a, you're absolutely right in that case, Jason. You know, with, with the way the schedule is, every you, you play everybody this year. So it's not like... Uh, there in years past when the Rays would play the Marlins and the Yankees would get stuck playing the Mets. Right. Uh, that's not going to happen this year. You're going to get a chance to play everybody uh, this year. And so, you know, the, the Yankees and the Blue Jays, they're going to have their opportunities to play uh, Detroit and Oakland and Washington. Right. And I, I just, I just hearken back to two years ago in 2021, the Rays won a hundred games that season and it's because they played Baltimore 19 times and went 18 and one right you know, the Yankees also played Baltimore 19 times they didn't go 18 and one right so I, I I say to people that say oh well they didn't play anybody I'm like everybody's gonna get a chance to play everybody yeah it, it's just that the Rays have taken an a, a advantage of that opportunity yep. and done so and, and by the way uh after losing all three games to the Rays the Tigers went and took two out of three from the Astros. So yeah, right. uh, I, 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 I say to people, I'm like, you know, don't discount. These are big league teams. I had, I had a, a former major leaguer say that to me. Uh, you know, it was like, it's like, I don't get why people are going, Oh, it doesn't, it doesn't count because these, these teams are all going to be bad. Well, you know, they're still big leaguers. Right. <laughs> so you got to give them credit. And uh, I, I think that, you know, people that are, uh, that are saying that 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 are still saying that now after this team has gone ten and zero, um, in the words of uh, Lavar Ball, you sir are a hater <laughs> <laughs> because you don't you don't go uh, ten and zero by accident, as right. the great Trisha Whitaker said. Uh, no. you know this is this is not an accident. This team is very good. No doubt. Like I said, the, their, their, their Achilles heel has been the offensive side. I think they've always had the great pitching, the consistent offensive production, especially in the playoffs, the last couple of years, the runs for the Rays. Again, they're getting well-balanced hitting throughout the lineup. Not one or two guys is carrying them. That's the good thing. You're getting different heroes most nights. Uh, but again, your star players, Franco and Rosa Rain, are off to great starts. Yeah, really, they they certainly are. Randy's uh, on a ten game or an eleven game, excuse me, hitting streak going back to last year. So he's got a hit in every game this year. Franco um, has had a couple of cold days, but you know he's also got three or four homers. Uh, yep. You know, Rosarena and Franco each are in double digit RBIs early. Uh, you know, here we are in the middle of April, and they're already in the double digits for for RBIs. So I I really do think that. They they've been going well. Brandon Lau, who is notoriously a slow starter, um, yep. has has started out pretty well. He now has homered in three consecutive games, including you know, the game winner on Monday night, and he had the grand slam Sunday against Oakland. So he's off to a to a good start. Uh, I and of course Luke Rayleigh, yep. you know, who may end up being the power left handed bat that everybody uh you know complained about not signing in free agency it may he may have already been on their staff and tell, tell us about tell, give us a quick note about Rayleigh the guy we don't really know a whole lot about he had some experience in the Dodgers system give us a little bit about Luke Rayleigh yeah uh, a former Dodger uh in the Dodgers minor league system he came over last year right at the the end of spring training uh spent most of last year in AAA uh but then spent this last offseason really overhauling his swing, trying to get quicker to the baseball. Uh, and it certainly has helped. He's, his swing is certainly not nearly as loopy as it was right. last year. You know, when you have a loopy swing, you create a big hole that a pitcher can put a baseball through that you're not going to be able. He doesn't really have that this year. And, and the other thing that, that that has helped is he's been able to get to velocity up in the zone. And you get if you can get to a pitch up in the zone, you're probably going to hit the bottom the bottom half of it, and if you're hitting the bottom half of it, you're going to backspin it out of the ballpark. Goes so, far. 
Yeah, exactly. Fast pitch goes far. Exactly. And so he's been he's been doing uh extremely well uh with that. And like I said, you know, this team, well, the one thing that everybody in the offseason said, I said it, uh, you know, the national pundits said it, the fans have said it. They needed a left-handed bat to to kind of balance the lineup. And they yep. thought that they were gonna go out and maybe get a guy like Brandon Belt or uh, or the you know those kind of those kind of guys that that play first base, uh, you know with the uh, with the trade of G Man Choi, they were kind of like, all right, who's going to play first base? Who's going right. to do this? You know, Rayleigh's played first base. He's got a, He's played in the outfield. He's gotten an outfield assist so far uh, this year. So, you know, Rayleigh and, and to uh, to a almost a similar extent, but uh, uh, Josh Lowe, who you know really struggled last year. Uh, his first year at the at the big league level, uh, but certainly looks a lot more comfortable this year, uh, and, and I think that uh, Rays fans are very happy uh, that they have those two guys that they can put in the lineup uh, against a tough right-handed pitcher. Give us a quick update on Tyler Glass now. Um, he is close to getting uh, on the mound. Uh, he's still been just playing catch on flat ground. Uh, now he's doing it at some distance. I've seen him do it about 150 feet, uh, which is uh, pretty significant. Most guys don't like to go more than say like 90 or or maybe 120 feet, but he's throwing, he's doing some serious long toss. They're going to get him up on the mound here. I want to say sometime this week. And when that happens, I think he's probably about six weeks away from uh, from being ready to go and fully stretched out. So if they if he gets on the if he gets on a mound to throw a bullpen sometime this week, I think that May, you know the the end of May is probably a good uh, a good point for you yep. to see Tyler Glass now in a in a big league game. All right, last thing I'll get you out of here. Give me one team in the American League and nationally that you like that's maybe an off the radar team, a middle of the pack kind of team that you think could could be a could be a a, a contender here. One in the National, one in the American League. Well, in the National League, uh, uh, most people thought I was crazy before the year because I was very very high on Milwaukee. Okay, uh, I think the Brewers, uh, you know, their pitching staff is very very uh good they've got three elite starters um to to begin their rotation and the rest of their their staff is really really good um devin williams uh i think is you know is crazy close to being you know in that very very elite top uh of the of a bullpen arm and i i just think they've got enough they've got plenty of power uh, to to power their lineup. So Milwaukee is the team that I think people are sleeping on in the National League, or at least they were sleeping on before they yep. started off as well as they did. On uh, on the American League side, uh, you know, I think Milwaukee, or excuse me, Minnesota. Okay. Um, I'm I'm going to stay in the Central. Uh, Rocco Baldelli obviously has the experience uh, of winning and getting Carlos Correa back, I think, for them is maybe the most important move that Minnesota has done in decades, maybe. Uh, and, and I think that he could be the most important player for the Twins since Joe Maurer retired. Let's put it wow. that way. That's, that's, that's... All right, Steve Carney, great work. Keep it up. You'll, be, you'll see Steve at the ballpark, whether it's uh, Tropicana Field. You'll see him at some uh, minor league ballparks in the Tampa Bay area covering some minor league action as well. does a great job with his UTOR podcast. Uh, he's the creator of stpete9.com on, 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 the, on the good old Al Gore internet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Steve does great work covering lots of things, baseball this time of year, and uh, we appreciate the time, Mr. Carney. Thank you, my brother. It's always good seeing you. All right. And next up, we're going to talk a little uh, Florida Gators and Florida State Seminoles with Kevin Brockway and Matt Marshall. We'll be back in just a minute. Now a word from Titan Home Lending. Are you in the market to be a first-time home buyer looking to upsize or even downsize your current property situation? Reach out to Jason Powers at Titan Home Lending, 205-790-1404, anywhere in the state of Florida. Let's get you pre-approved, figure out how much money 
how much house you can afford, whether it's an FHA, VA, conventional, jumbo loan, even bank statement loans if you're self-employed, we can help you. You need to buy, you want to build a home. We got a new construction loan available for you. Are you looking to renovate your home? There are renovation loans available and we are experts in the renovation loan it part of the uh, home financing business. Reach out to me, Jason Powers, 205-790-1404. From Miami to Orlando to Jacksonville in Pensacola and anywhere in between, reach out to me at Titan Home Lending where it, my loan gets you into your home. All right, welcome back in Powers on Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Jason, down here in Tampa. Now we are going to talk a little Florida State football. Spring football is right around the corner this weekend up in Tallahassee. A lot of the programs around the country are having their spring game this weekend, and Florida State is one of them, and no better person to talk to than with Matt. Matt is with the Orlando Sentinel. He covers Florida State, a little Orlando Magic, a little Central Florida, a wide range of things that Matt can talk about. So welcome back in, Matt. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Good. Happy. Hope you had a happy Easter and all that good stuff. You too. I hope so. Now, you a Masters fan at all? Yeah, you know, I've 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 played golf for about the last 30, 40 years. Unfortunately, it's a frustrating sport. I was on the golf team for a couple of years in high school, or tried to get on the golf team for a couple of years in high school. But uh, you know, it's uh, I enjoy watching those tournaments. I enjoy watching uh, uh, pretty much the the uh, the PGA alone. I'm not been big into the the, the live tournament stuff, but it's right. Uh, but you know, I mean, it's it's uh, it's fun to watch those guys compete. You just had live right in your backyard last weekend or weekend before the Masters was in Orlando and Brooks Kepka, former Florida Stater, won that event. And then obviously we saw what he did in the Masters coming in, you know, kind of running out of steam there at the end. But uh, how how was how how did the live event? What was the was there any talk or chatter in Orlando about the event? Yeah, there was a little bit. You know, I think, you know, they had a pretty good crowd show up. Uh, I spoke to a couple of my colleagues who went out to the tournament um, and they said, you know, they had a good crowd. You know, obviously uh, parking was free. Um, you, you know, they it, it's a different type of golf event, you know, when you think about it. I mean, Liv is very much uh, kind of in your face, you know, a brash, bold, you know, lots of music being played, lots yeah. of beer being drunk, you know, those kind of things. You know, I think the PGA is, is, is more of a, you know, traditional type of, right. uh, of a traditional type of, of, of league, you know, where the, where the, the golfers really, you know, don't kind of go through that, but uh, it was a, uh, it seemed to get a lot of people excited. A lot of people, uh, they, they've uh, had support for a lot of the golfers out there. Um, and it'll be interesting to see if they can continue to, to go forward with it. You know, I mean, it's, it, there seems to be kind of a, uh, you know, you either like it or you don't when it comes down to that league. No, no doubt. All right, before we get to Florida State football, I want to, I want to get your thoughts on the Orlando Magic. Obviously, the NBA playoffs are getting going this weekend. What's the state of the Orlando franchise these days? I mean, obviously, they had Paolo Bancaro, number one pick last year, had, seemed to have a pretty good year from Duke. Kind of where is this Orlando Magic franchise at? Well, I think there's a lot of optimism around this franchise, you know, I mean, especially over when you consider what's gone over the last couple of years, you know, they've obviously struggled. Um, they've brought in a lot of young, they've been a young organization. Um, they've, they've really kind of tried to build that, uh, that roster through the draft process and through a little bit of, a little bit of free agency, but most of it's been through the draft and they've got success. Obviously, pa- Paolo Bancaro is a, was a huge piece of what they were able to do this year. Um, you know, they, they put together some really good stretches. If they had started as, as strong as they'd finished, um, I think they may have had a chance to maybe be in the, in, in the playoff mix, you know, this year, but, um, that unfortunately didn't happen. They had injuries they had to deal with Markel Fultz obviously was out for the first part you know early on in the season Uh, Jonathan Isaac came back but then was hurt again um you know really this is a franchise I've never seen a franchise really go through as much injury uh situations as this one has done but um I think there's a lot of optimism moving forward I think they feel like you know again they're going to go they've got the pieces now they feel like they can make a solid run the chemistry seems to be right they may add a piece here or there but I don't think they'll be a major player when it comes to free yeah, it's always just, I mean, you know, they've just really struggled. It seems like the last eight or 10 years of just having a consistency of, like you said, having the same group of guys play together for a couple of years together to try to get. And they've shown, like you said, they've shown some stretches of really good play. And, and uh, hopefully they can get that uh, situation because, again, it's just good for the area and good for the city and good for the league for Orlando to be, to be, to be in the mix a little bit. Yeah. All right. Let's get to your Florida State football beat. The, the Seminoles 
coming into spring football, you know, wrapping up this weekend, give the audience a little sense of, of kind of the last three or four months of Florida State football and kind of comings and goings. I know there's been a couple guys that have left, a couple guys have stayed, a couple guys that we weren't sure were going to stay and ended up, ended up deciding to come back. Talk about the uh, just the evolution of the roster the last three or four months. Yeah, you know it's 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 been a, a pretty good time for to be Mike Norvell. You know when you think about it, uh, you know they they return uh, one of the more experienced rosters in college football this next year. Uh, you know I think what, what I, ESPN did a little breakdown, and I think Florida State is the most experienced uh, has the most experience coming back. You know with eighty seven percent of I think of its, of its production. You know you got Jordan. It all starts with Jordan Travis at quarterback. Right. You know he's going to be back. He was a huge piece of what they wanted to do. They bring back their top running back and Trey Benson, their top wide receiver and Johnny Wilson. You know, the offensive line is going to have four starters back now. You know, I mean, uh, they lose Dylan Gibbons, obviously, but, um, and, and, you know, but I think they've got pretty good solid pieces there as well. On the defensive side, I think the biggest surprise for the last three or four months was Jared Verse announcing that he was going to forego going to the NFL draft where he was projected to be a, a top first round pick, which would have meant, you know, 30, $40 million. You know, instead he decided to come back and he wants to, to, to continue to evolve, you know, get his, game to the next level i think that's something that he wants to do at florida state they got most of their pieces back on the defensive line the linebacking core is very experienced with tatum bethune coming back kellen deloach coming back as well and then the secondary i think that's the one area where maybe you know again they're going to have some concerns they lose jamie robinson who's left to go to the to the nfl declare early to go to the nfl so they've got some some pieces there they brought in some transfers uh and ventral cypress i think is a guy they brought in from, from virginia who's I think will probably be a major player when it comes to their secondary as well. Um, so lots of, lots of talent back, you know, and, and now what they're facing is expectations, you know, they're right. going to go into this not upcoming season, probably being a top 15 pick or a top 15 uh, team in the country. Uh, you know, they haven't been that kind of have those kind of expectations over the last five or six years. So now how does this team, how does this program face that? You know, I mean, they've, they've always been the underdog. Now, all of a sudden, now you're going to be, there's going to be a lot of people who are going after you. My guess is they'll probably be one of the favorites to win the ACC this year. Sure. Uh, so, you know, a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of eyes on this Florida State program for the first time in a while. And so Mike Norvell has talked about how the expectations have been high for a while because he puts the expectations on his own program and they've done a, a good job of handling those. Now, you know, again, we'll see what happens once you start getting a lot of attention and you're you're going to be featured on a lot of games. And it, does, it starts right away when they take on LSU here in Orlando, you know, on uh, September 4th. Right. You know, it's going to be a Sunday night game. It's going to be all eyes will be on it. So they're going to have an opportunity to make an opening statement. And if they can make a good one, I, I think it says it spells good things for this program. With the freshmen that they brought in, I don't know how many of those kids reported in January. Are there any of those freshmen that that, that, that are making any kind of impact in spring football at all? Yeah, you know, I, I think they've, they've all kind of had their moments. You know, I mean, I think Mike Norville does a good job of kind of not putting too much too much onus on them, you know, to, to make sure. I know that they're 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 looking at, you know, Hakeem Williams obviously was their top their top uh, signee of this class. He's looked really like he's looked good so far in practice. Um, we haven't had an opportunity really yet, so at least you know what I've seen that to really kind of speak, sit down and speak with them about it. Um, you know, they brought in some pieces on the offensive line. They feel like we're gonna help them not maybe so much this year, but the next couple of years, uh, you know, it was a good recruiting class. And they, and they just feel like at this point, these are guys who are really going to be able to step up and, and help them make some plays uh, right now. What they're really high on, they're high on the transfers and they're high on the, some of the guys who came back you know, who were freshmen last year who were coming back for their sophomore years. And that's a good, you know, that to me, that's a great omen for the program is when you don't, when you're not expecting these freshmen to have to come in and be impact players. When you have depth, when you've got some ability to say, hey, it take if it takes them six months to develop or a year to develop physically or, men, you know, emotionally to college, or maybe they're just not quite ready to be elite ACC players yet, that's a great sign for the program. Whereas in years past, they were having to play those freshmen and sophomores maybe a little bit too early. And that's why you saw the lack of production on the field. Yeah, very much so. I mean, one of the things that Mike Norvell and his, and his, co his coaching staff has done since they got there in 2020 was they really had to address the depth issue, you know, the, the depth and the, and the lack of talent on this roster. And I think that's something they've done really well. You know, I mean, I think he's gone out, he's recruited well, he's brought in pieces at every position really to kind of build that depth. And then he used the transfer portal really well. He brought in some of those transfers that are really were able to step in right away. And they kind of helped bridge that gap between, okay, we've got five or six freshman offensive linemen that we feel are going to be good. But now we've got some transfer offensive linemen uh, who could step in here and, and really kind of play now 
and then allow these freshmen to kind of develop and learn under some of these more experienced players. They didn't have that, you know, a couple of years ago before Norvell got here. There was a lot of young guys just thrown in the mix and they had to kind of get their lumps. But now they can kind of take a deep breath and not have to feel like let's throw these guys out there. And that's not to say that you won't see a guy like McKee Williams out on the field playing a lot. I mean, right. he may get some opportunities as well because he's a five-star and he's, he's got the talent. But I think they don't have to feel necessary that they have to throw him out there. You know, you've got to be our number one guy. Uh, so I, I think that's the, the big advantage to having the kind of experienced roster they have going in this year. And I think it's going to pay dividends next year when they when a lot of these guys are moving on and they're going to need guys to step up. Talk about the spring game on Saturday. Last couple questions here with Matt Marshall, Orlando Sentinel. Talk about the spring game Saturday. Give us the time of the game. Is there any? Are they doing any special festivities for the game? Anything surrounding the game that's noteworthy? Uh, they're they're going to kick off at four o'clock. Um, the way Mike Norvell's kind of hinted at it is, I think the first half is going to be a kind of a traditional spring game, you know, with a lot of you know, like a game itself. And I think the second half is going to have more of an interactive fan kind of feel to it. I think they're going to do some things, maybe some drills, do some some situational type things where fans can get a chance to see them doing, you know, maybe like a two minute drill that kind of thing. I, I think, you know, again, I always caution fans when they get excited about spring games that these are really just kind of like exhibitions where they want to kind of let the fans see the team a little bit but don't take much from the actual performances because again it's just they don't want to show you too much there may be some guys like i'm like i'm I'm writing for my preview you know i don't think jordan travis is going to see a lot of action i think i think jordan will probably get a few snaps or probably do some things here or there but i think it's it's more about showcasing some of the the, the second and third string guys, guys, you maybe you, you, you haven't noticed or, or don't know who's going to be there. Some of the transfers who've come in, you know, I think you're going to see some of that. Um, so like uh, Haim Abel, who's the, who's the new tight end. I think you're going to see him maybe in different spots to kind of showcase what he's going to be able to do. Uh, so I, I think that's one of the things about these spring games is you just have to take them with a grain of salt. You don't want to get guys hurt and you want to let that yet. You want to have people get a, an opportunity to see the teams and you want to get an opportunity for the players to get their first chance to play in front of a live crowd at Doke. And for some of these guys, they haven't had experience that yet. No doubt. No doubt. All right. I'm sure the game will be on ACC network at some point, whether it's live on Saturday or at some point recorded. So if you can't make it to Tallahassee for the spring game, definitely f- Check out ACC Network, and you probably find somewhere on AC or the Florida State football, Florida State athletic website. I'm sure they will have clips, and obviously, I'm sure the Orlando Sentinel will have clips. Matt will be covering it in depth. So appreciate the time, Matt. Tell everybody where they can find all your great work online with the Orlando Sentinel. Oh, they can go to OrlandoSentinel.com or they can follow me on Twitter at OS Matt Rochelle. Well, Matt, appreciate the time. Enjoy the spring game this weekend. Thanks for the uh, the updates on the uh, the Magic and the Seminoles, and we will definitely get uh, be in touch as we get closer to fall football. Looking forward to it. All right, Matt, appreciate it. All right, appreciate you joining us on the Powers on Sports podcast, and we will see you next week as we head into the NBA and NHL playoffs and uh, so much more. So have a great week, and we'll see you next time on the Powers on Sports podcast. Thanks again for listening to the Powers on Sports podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on whatever podcast platform you are hearing us tonight. Remember, you can reach out to us on Twitter at jposports. So we'd love to hear your feedback, comments, suggestions for future episodes. And again, thanks for all the support. Remember to share the podcast with your friends and colleagues. And we'd love to see you back next time for the next episode of the Powers on Sports podcast. Have a great week.